0: I think the SEAL community, Naval Special Warfare, you know, me personally, I believe they do such a great job of trying to remove the ego from difficult and tough situations so that, you know, we can just make, you know, collectively, we can make the most creative and best decision to lead to mission success where no ego, no rank, and no superiority is coming into play And how do you do that without humility?
1: Episode 49, Winning at Work with Jakob Worksman. He's the founder and chairman of Victory Strategies, which is a management consulting firm. Jakob is probably one of the most interesting young professionals you'll meet. He's a Navy SEAL. He's a Harvard-educated MBA. He's the entrepreneur founder of a fast-growing management consulting company based out of Orlando. He was also uh, awarded the prestigious 40 Under 40. He and I connected because we both run podcasts. He is dealing with management and leadership issues as am I as an an executive recruiter. That's a big portion of my search assignment is to identify and locate that skill set within leaders for my clients. Jakob is going to share with us really the differences and similarities between his training and management leadership style that he learned as an elite operator in the Navy SEALs from Harvard during his MBA program, and now currently running and leading an organization of elite operators from the military and from the corporate and entrepreneurial world. And he gives us his wisdom in today's podcast discussing ego, humility, that you're entitled to nothing that mindset and attitude plays a huge role in the outcomes that you perform at home and life and work, and why an individual must align his personal why with his professional endeavors, gives clarity on who is a leader, and finally, he showcases his new book, Leadership a Life Sport. I hope you get as much out of this episode as I did. Stay tuned. Well, Jakob, welcome to the program. I know we've got a lot to cover and you've been a very busy man with uh, working on the house and publishing a new book, which we want to hear all about. And of course, we do want to hear about uh, your company. I know that's getting a lot of publicity at Victory Strategies, but before we get into all that, why don't you give everyone just a, a kind of a high level overview just of your, of your background? It is a little bit unique. Let people kind of know where you've come from and then let's kind of dive into this um, leadership style. Well, thanks, Tony. I, you know, I appreciate
0: being on the podcast and honored to have, you know, your platform to share a little bit about my message and my journey. Um, let's, yeah, let's take it back to when I was 18 years old. Uh, you know, I had to make the decision if I wanted to go off to traditional college or, or try to pursue a military academy or go and enlist in the military, et cetera. And ultimately, you know, got accepted in the Naval Academy, uh, decided I wanted to shorten the length of time it was going to take for me to actually, you know, get to even try or attempt to become a Navy SEAL. So uh, decided to turn down the, the opportunity at the Naval Academy, enlisted right out of high school, uh, showed up to BUDS basic underwater demolition SEAL training when I was 18, uh, went through, you know, the nearly two year training program, uh, our class had about an 85% attrition rate and, uh, upon completion of SEAL training was fortunate to get the opportunity to get stationed at a SEAL team based in Virginia beach, Virginia, uh, checked into SEAL team at 20 years old, was old enough to go down range, but not old enough to buy a beer in the U S. <laughs> um, yeah, I- irony to the, to the extreme. It made me a, a great designated driver um, for for all my other teammates. So let's put it that way. So let's see. Had the opportunity uh, to go to sniper school when I was twenty, uh, right before you know even deploying with the SEAL team. So I became a Navy SEAL sniper, and then ultimately ended up serving a little over six years total in the SEAL teams. Deployed twice with my platoon. You know, I'll say that I was fortunate with the opportunity to simultaneously achieve my bachelor's degree, utilizing tuition assistance uh, from the government while I was active duty, which made it really easy when I decided to make the transition out of the military and and start my company Victory Strategies. Uh, I looked at grad schools and was honored with the opportunity to get into Harvard Business School's executive MBA program called the Program for Leadership Development. Completed that in March of 2020, you know, and and what I've always loved about the dynamic of going to school while working a full-time job is the amazing parallels and intersections that you find between academia and practitioner worlds. You know, being able to take what I learned in the military and apply it or in the military and in my, you know, entrepreneurial practice and apply it into the classroom, and then take what I'm learning in the classroom and apply it to my career has been just extremely beneficial. Um, So fast forward today, you know, our company Victory Strategies, a leadership development and assessment company. We've been in business uh, for close to three years. We're a team of 20. Uh, We're working with everything from a four-person startup all the way up to Fortune 50 companies. Buckle up because we're only going to grow and and, uh, align with some you know, more companies and and kind of expand our
1: reach and hopefully get global here, here soon. One of the uh, big topics that I know you and I wanted to talk about was some of the differences in these leadership styles that you've learned. Because you, again, you do bring that unique experience of military, uh, kind of the elite, you know, the elite military, kind of the elite school as well, and now as an entrepreneur. So which of the three do you want to start with? Yeah, you want to start with uh, experiences from the SEAL teams? Yeah,
0: let's start with that one first. There, there were so many things that I learned. Uh, mind you, you know, like many other young adults or you know teenagers and, and that are entering adulthood, full of confidence. You think you're invincible. Uh, you still have a lot to learn, etc. And so, thankfully, the biggest characteristic that was instilled in me. Uh, as a SEAL trainee, and then eventually as a junior SEAL was the characteristic of humility, you know, identifying areas of opportunity, identifying areas of improvement, uh, realizing that, you know, you might be coming from a town where you were the big fish in a small pond, but now you are a small fish in a big pond. And, you know, one of the beauties of the SEAL teams is no matter what your strength is or how great you are at something, someone in the SEAL community is better than you. So it really instilled the the aggression and attitude to always advance and get better. So, you know, biggest characteristic, humility. Um, Reflecting back, you know, one of the most uh, important things that stood out to me was there was no age adversity or ageism. You know, we hear that a lot in in the corporate world and in the private sector, but we almost always hear ageism referred to Uh, companies trying to get rid of, you know, the older senior uh, personnel who's 60, 70 years old. Well, I also think, you know, ageism is on the reverse side where there's a lot of individuals that are seasoned executives, seasoned leaders, and they're discrediting or uh, not being able to see the value in a lot of the millennials or younger generation that's coming into the workforce. Well, that didn't exist in the SEAL teams. And I think one of the primary reasons it didn't exist is because we had such a rigor and standard that every participant or every individual aspiring to be a SEAL had to go through, that that was the common denominator, right? Our onboarding process was so difficult that if anyone made it through, no matter who they were, if they were wearing a SEAL trident on their chest, you knew they met the standard to become a a
1: Navy SEAL and, and enter the community. If I were to ask people on the street what the first skill not skill but uh value or trait that you one would think would be instilled, I don't know that humility would be you know top of mind i i think that is a um that is kind of profound that that's actually in in the military or maybe it's very common i mean may, maybe i'm just you know I've just been a civilian and that that's it just it's new to me
0: no, it's a great observation. And and I guess you know I can totally see where you're coming from and, and how the majority of people might not think of humility as the first thing, but I think it's uh I think the SEAL community, Naval Special Warfare, you know, me personally, I believe they do such a great job of trying to remove the ego from difficult and tough situations so that you know, we can just make, you know, collectively, we can make the most creative and best decision to lead to mission success where no ego, no rank, and no superiority is
1: coming into play. And how do you do that without humility? That's it. And there's the why. That's why it's there. It removes personality and puts principle above all or completing the objective or or completing the mission. So I guess it takes everyone, uh, you know, time to kind of go through that process. Was that easy for you? You know, I, I've never really thought
0: about whether it was easy or difficult for me. I guess it was just kind of the way, um, you know, in SEAL training, the instructors led by example, uh, by being humble, you know, by practicing humility, by acknowledging their weaknesses in, in areas of opportunity, And then in the SEAL teams, there was just no tolerance for anyone who wasn't humble. Um, There's so many A-type personalities in one room trying to accomplish one goal. You know, how do you lead? How do you follow? How do you do all these necessary things for mission success without humility? So
1: great question. It's it's something I'm going to have to think a little more. I, I think you've already nailed it, though, because one of my questions coming into this session with you was, would you... Experience a transformational leader in the military? And I think you've already answered that question that you did. People were just leading by example, and you saw that exemplified in their own life, and you just emulated and modeled that. You know, I guess stemming from humility uh, came a great,
0: just a good attitude across the board of suppressing entitlement. Um, you know, there was a, there was a, common theme that you were entitled to nothing. And
1: (laughs) (laughs) now I think we would always think that is definitely true
0: in the military. (laughs) Well, absolutely. But think about how that translates to, you know, uh, aspiring entrepreneurs or, uh, you know, business owners that are struggling and, um, you know, are, are not utilizing all of their resources or, uh, making the best decisions or bringing in their team to make the best decisions, et cetera. Entitlements, you know, that's that's something pretty challenging for a lot of people. Um, and you know, I would I would be a fool to say I haven't you know challenged been challenged with it myself in the past. But again, just referring back to the the qualities of humility is kind of a good reminder of you know if you want it, you need to get it.
1: And I have, I've definitely adopted a new philosophy and this may sound a little counterintuitive to someone, you know, in business and like yourself who, you know, we we want to be successful and that's to drop your expectations. And I know people kind of wonder, you know, what does that mean? But when you put it through that lens of suppressing this entitlement attitude, like you're not, you're not necessarily entitled to be the very best at what you do until you put in the work. So that's what I mean when I say, you know, when I talk about not having expectations, it means just get in and do the work. And because sometimes you put an expectation so big in front of you, like you want to be number one, and that could be a case for you, Jakob. You know, you, you've made this kind of elite area in so many areas of your life. I have to imagine when you start a new project – you must have these expectations, right? And what happens if you can't reach them? So I think in business that holds people back from literally taking a step because they don't want to fail. Yeah, I would agree
0: with that. And I would also say, you and I think this is what you were alluding to, it's you have control over your own expectations and make sure they're realistic, they're measurable, they're timely, and you have a plan to achieve whatever your expectations of our are of yourself, um, but yeah, not having a standard for other people's expectations, especially of you, um, that's definitely you know a, a core foundational uh, necessity to be successful, in
1: my opinion. But how did that show up though in, in the military? Why would you have this a sense of entitlement in, in the military? Well, I don't think a lot of people
0: understand. You know, for every one Navy SEAL operator. There's roughly three non-Navy SEALs in the military that are supporting that SEAL operator's mission. So a lot of the times when we're either training or engaging uh, in operations overseas, et cetera, we're amongst so many other non-Navy SEALs within the military that oftentimes, you know, it's a battle of of ego and, and, uh, you know, just maintaining that humility uh, to suppress any kind of entitlement around other people that haven't gone through necessarily what you've gone through.
1: Is there a third, would you, would you say there's a third uh, component before we move off of, um, off of the seal? Cause I, I'm sure that's, you could probably talk the entire time about what you learned, you know, as, as a seal.
0: You know, I'll say the maybe a third would be um, just having a, a growth oriented and, and positive mindset and mental attitude. And so many things that that can do uh, for someone in the business world, or just for someone in life. Um, you know, focusing on the controllables. Uh, you know, your habits, your attitudes, your expectations, your beliefs, your emotions, your responses. All of those things definitely are one hundred percent contributed to entrepreneurship. I mean, no doubt. Uh, but but also so many other challenges that people face. Uh, in their daily lives. I mean, we could take the the COVID nineteen pandemic for example. If you want to focus on the death toll and and how it's affecting everyone, and the lockdowns, and you know how many how much negativity uh, this pandemic has brought into your life. Well, guess what? You're going to have a negative attitude. You're going to have a poor attitude, and uh, you're going to be depressed. Uh, but if you take a different or an alternative approach, and you focus on the positives and the things you can control in your own environment, your own life, it's going to lead to a positive mental attitude and. In my opinion, that leads to a much more successful and just healthier lifestyle.
1: Um, so mindset's a big one too. So then you transitioned to, to Harvard where you're kind of in this academic environment and now you're being exposed to these different management principles. Did you find that they were similar to what you had experienced and learned or did you find this was a whole new set of, of principles? We've all heard it. Uh, But this was, you know, one of those aha
0: moments with the saying that was echoing in my head, like, you want to be in a room where you're the least smartest person, just surround yourself with smart people. And that was definitely the case with the nearly 200 classmates I I had at Harvard. Um, So incredible just to hear these individuals minds, right, I think over 40 countries are represented in the in the classroom. So even just geographical and, and, and cultural perspectives and differences were extremely uh, valuable. And then also, you know, just being able to collaborate and think uh, people think that the military and the government have so many uh, acronyms. Well, <laughs>
1: talk to a business professional. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, we, we definitely do. And why do you think that is, is that, I guess with your training again with, being humble, then it's it's um, not as difficult, maybe, to be in a room with you know very smart people. Um, maybe other people might feel intimidated by that, but I, I imagine you know, as a very young professional, you know, go, going through that, that you could kind of fall back on that uh, that training not to be kind of overwhelmed by the big you know stage or that moment. Yeah, and and you know, like when I was in the military, I wasn't the greatest
0: seal. I wasn't the worst SEAL. I was, I was your average SEAL, but I was surrounded by these heroes and giants that I was serving with, um, and I wanted to continue on the same path going into the private sector. It would be a no-brainer for me or anyone else not to take an opportunity to get into a room with you know our, our country and our world's brightest minds and human beings. So that was a huge motivator for me, um, and I just knew it was going to be such a great accelerator Uh, to make me better positioned to be successful in the private sector.
1: So what were your big takeaways?
0: There was a lot of collaboration. And I think from that, it was a good reiteration of seeking to understand and seeking to authentically listen. It wasn't just, you know, trying to connect with individuals just to hear their thoughts or say you did it or check a box. No, I wanted to learn from these individuals experiences and so if anything, you know, a huge takeaway was just that eagerness to continuously learn and, uh, you know, never undervalue the value of a, of a relationship and of, you know, someone's personal experiences, especially if they're drastically different than yours.
1: So you talk about uh, being authentic and and being an authentic listener. I've heard of being authentic, but what does that mean to be an, an authentic listener? Yeah, to me, you know, we've all done it. Um,
0: but you're engaging in a conversation with someone and you're doing either two things. One, you were only focusing on the information they're sharing with you, or two, You're thinking of your response or how you can relate to what they're saying or, you know, how you want to respond to how you can relate to what they're saying after they're done speaking. And that latter uh, option, in my opinion, you know, you're not authentically listening. You're not truly, you know, being present or listening to the words and visualizing the information they're sharing with you. And so I, I think it just comes across disingenuous. Um, I don't think you're getting the, the true value out of that, uh, you know, engagement and transformation of knowledge between you and someone else. And so my challenge to people is always, you know, if you're going to take the time to engage with someone in a conversation, try to treat it as a mindful practice and just focus on what they're sharing with you. And then when they're done speaking, you can think and reflect off of what they shared with you to then respond. With a follow-up question, or how it can relate to something or an experience you've had,
1: et cetera. I'm, I imagine that is a a real quality of a leader who can who can practice that with their with their staff their uh, their executive team. What were one of the other pillars that they wanted to instill in you that you could then take back and and use in your entrepreneurial career?
0: Yeah, you know something I've been. You know, toying with and, and kind of brainstorming and reflecting on is the importance of self awareness. And, you know, I, I don't think I, I necessarily identified, you know, the two words together, self awareness, while as an active duty SEAL, but it became very, you know, uh, clear to me when I was at Harvard and in a room with all these individuals is the importance of, you know, your self awareness and situational awareness around other. Brilliant leaders or A type personalities. I took it as as such an opportunity. You know, a big takeaway was the fact that so many of these, what people would view as uber successful business leaders who are now teaching at Harvard, um, would come into the classroom, they'd share their individual journeys, and within that, you know, they would share what was underneath the surface, what you know, the public eye didn't see, uh, the realities of chasing, you know, this image of what everyone thinks is success. And they would get to the end of the line, it would be no one left to enjoy success with them. It would just be them and a boatload of money. And, you know, just hearing, you know, having the humility of, of, you know, Harvard and its faculty of bringing those stories and messages into the classroom to really share it with people that are either beginning their careers or in the middle of their careers. And unfortunately, I believe many of these individuals were previously chasing this image of success. And, you know, too, too often success was related with, you know, monetary value and tangible items. It wasn't true happiness and, and true you know, self-reflection and identification of who they are. So one of the huge takeaways was just more repetitions and more clarity on you as a leader or, or an individual leader's self-awareness and self-reflection, and then I'd helping them identify their individual why and how that's aligned with you know, their pro- professional endeavors.
1: I'd love to hear... Maybe what your your philosophy or your why is for victory strategies, and you can't say you want a boatload of money, (laughs) because now we've already taken that one off the table. Yeah, if 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 that was the case, uh,
0: I would I would have accepted a lot a lot of different uh, job offers coming out of the military.
1: You had a lot of other uh, uh, alternative paths, I'm sure, right? Um,
0: That's a great question. In the simplest terms, you know, we want to accelerate leaders and help them become their best wholesome self. Um, you know, everyone is a leader. I, I, you know, I hate the, the image of a leader has to be this, you know, an officer on the battlefield leading troops into combat or an executive of a, co- of a company leading its, you know, 1,000 or 2,000 uh, employees of the organization, et cetera. You're a leader in your community. You're a leader of your household. You're a leader of your kids, your family, Uh, you're a leader amongst friends, everyone's a leader. And, you know, victory strategies in our team, we don't just believe or work on work. We don't just work with leaders on developing how they can be the best leader in a professional or private sector setting. We're working with that leader to become a great individual, which we know is going to translate into their leadership qualities, characteristics, and style. You know, if we're working with you know, just an individual specifically. Uh, we we send them one of our proprietary, you know, internally made uh, assessment tools where they kind of fill out, and it stems from so many different categories. But uh, you know, for simple terms, you know, one cat, one entire section of the assessment focuses on their personal life. The other entire uh, form of the assessment focuses on their professional life, and we we ask them a lot of self reflection questions you know, we want true, authentic, and raw responses. And then based off of that, we know who they're a good fit with within our team. We pair them together. They they uh, embark on a discovery call, learn a bit more about each other's journeys, and then they get, a, get down into the trenches and into business. Um, so a lot of our processes, as you know, and as many leaders know, you know, nothing's going to change overnight, you know, whether it's, an individual and their leadership style or a company's culture, uh, it's going to take some time. So the majority of our engagements are, are no less than six months.
1: Right. And I know these people, uh, it's, it's very, it's, it's a complicated process to get people to be genuine and open up about themselves. And you kind of force them into this self-reflection so they can begin to see these different pillars that are in their life. You mentioned, personal life. Well, you've got your personal life. You've got your financial, you've got your work, you have your spiritual, you have all these pillars, right? If one of these pillars is weak, then the foundation, you know, is, is, is going to, it's not stable. And I imagine that's part of this, this process, this, uh, what did you call it? This, uh, wholeness that, you know, the, the best wholesome person. I think that's fantastic. You're not just focused on, on work. No, cause that's just
0: only, it's, you know, it's only a portion or a piece of, of the puzzle or of the individual's identity, um, there's so much more to who they are than just a job title.
1: Now, as an entrepreneur now for several years, and I, you've, you've grown your company from, from yourself and, and your business partner to I think you said 20, 20 practitioners, and I know you have a blend of, of military and a blend of um, you know seasoned, uh, accomplished executives that kind of form your team for your own personal management and leadership style, what have you learned has been the most effective for you to lead a team of such you know, diversity now you know within your own ranks?
0: Yeah, a professor at Harvard shared with us a belief he has, and he said, A players hire A players and B players hire C players. And what he meant by that is, you know, highly motivated, high-octane, uh, driven professionals want to be surrounded with others that share those qualities. And then B players, or people who just want to do enough to get by, they don't want to get outshined. So they're going to surround themselves with C players, people that are just a little a bit beneath them in performance and in, um, you know, business acumen, etc. And we just, that just, it just, Irritates me. So, I mean, since we've been started, since we've been growing, et cetera, we have focused on primarily uh, producing a team of quality A-type driven individuals with demonstrated past and and business acumen and careers. Um, So that's exactly right. Half of our team are, are former military members, former Navy SEALs, fighter pilots, Green Berets, et cetera, and the other half of our team. Our former uh, business professionals, either entrepreneurs that had successful exits, or you know Fortune 50 executives who are now looking at the next chapter in their life, and that's to to uh, provide their wisdom, their guidance, their insights, and start coaching and mentoring other emerging leaders. So, to your question, you know what has been you know some of the uh, keys to, to my success or our success is growing is you know, there's, again, there's no ego involved. We're constantly reassessing how we can be better, you know, how we can have clear, more concise communication, how we can deliver to our clients better. Um, we're trying to produce authentic relationships with our clients. It's not just a monetary transaction. Um, and you know, we're, we're
1: not jeopardizing quality for quantity. Given your experience now in hiring and attracting, and identifying A's or the, these high-performing people, can you give us what you have found to be the best maybe litmus tests or way to validate? How do they show up? How do you know for sure as best we can that we're getting that A quality person when we do hire someone? That's a great question. Um,
0: you know, I'm still learning, I, and I'll say, you know, obviously – there's no magic sauce, uh, but I will say there, there are a few. I wish there was. I'd bottle it <laughs> up. Um, I will say there's a few things that always stand out to me. You know, one being, are they team-oriented? team, team oriented? You know, are, is, is when, when they're speaking, is there a lot of we? Is there a discussion of accomplishments they've achieved in their past because of people they've been surrounded with or their team, et cetera? Or is it I, I, I? Um, we look for genuine and authentic individuals. So, you know, do they have a good heart? Uh, are they showing up to the team or, or to our onboarding process in our interviews with immediately speaking on how they can contribute to our team and our success? And rather than saying, well, what's in it for me, you know, what can I uh, benefit from, from your team? You know, of course, there's a whole category of those things, and, and they're usually reached at some point in the conversation. But it just shows me and our leadership team that, you know, there's a strong sense of uh, collaboration, creativity, uh, team-oriented mindset, um, and selflessness. And And, you know, of course, that's one of the biggest – those are some of the biggest qualities that we definitely value on our team.
1: I imagine you might use your own assessments and own proprietary tools, right, to evaluate them. Um, Do you find that these assessments are a decent predictor? I know I have some clients that they prefer to use assessments sometimes at the very front end of a process. Others will use an assessment at the end of a hiring process more just to uh, help leadership understand who this person is and how they can, you know, relate to them wh- where do you see the, the role of assessments?
0: That's a great question. I mean f- from this you know full disclosure we personally haven't used uh, or utilized assessments w- within our onboarding process to date. Um, you know once we find a good fit for the team we definitely utilize assessments with our team members uh, to then make sure they're paired up with you know right coaching clients or, or organizations companies we're working with. Um, But we've had such success with our team member to team member referrals, uh, you know, producing a high octane uh, alpha oriented team. They associate themselves with alphas and other like minded individuals. So we've been very fortunate to be able to uh, extend our network through team members that are already on Victory Strategies and, uh, you know, find some other quality and aligned uh, team members to come on
1: to the team. You know, maybe I did just find this special sauce. It is getting those referrals from your existing high performers. It, it's
0: definitely proven to be one of our secret sauces.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, see, there it is. We just, you just needed me to dig it out. You already knew that. No, but it, it is important. And I do encourage uh, companies who are hiring, go to your top performers because it's, it's an old saying, but it's there for a reason. Birds of a feather flock together. You've provided us a lot of great insights from this, these three different worlds that you have been living in. And now you've done something rather, I think it's kind of exciting. You've just written a new book. Tell us about this new book and what was your inspiration behind it.
0: Yeah, thanks, Tony. Uh, I recently published, um, last October... Published uh, my first book called "Leadership: A Life Sport," and it's a playbook on what it takes to win as an individual and as a team. So, throughout the book, I want it to be you know easy to read, um, you know something that's built around the practitioner, uh, which I identify as someone who can't pick up a book and read the entire thing in one sitting. So, I've kind of designed it where it breaks down, you know, what it takes to be a great individual leader. And how to lead yourself, um, how to lead teammates and, and uh, those within a team environment. And then a last section of uh, continuous improvement and constant evaluation. So I break it down, uh, there's nearly 30 characteristics that I include in the book. And you know, I, I start with a simple description of what the characteristic is, and then I share a very personal story. Um, from my journey to date, and then I conclude with actionable content and how you can immediately apply it to your life. So if you want, uh, it's on Amazon or it's on our website, victory-strategies.com. I uh, would be honored and humbled to
1: know your thoughts and, and your viewers' and listeners' thoughts as well. Um, are you taking new, um, new clients at, at Victory Strategies, uh, companies or, or individuals? Is, is there a way that People should be trying to connect with you for, for these types of services? Absolutely. Uh,
0: we're always seeking new clients, um, you know, new individual, uh, individual leaders and organizations that you know, want to continue their growth and improvement and align with an elite organization like ours. Um, so please reach out to us. You, know, you can go to our website. Check us out, www.victory-strategies.com. Uh, or you can give us an email at info at victory-strategies.com. And happy to have a discussion.
1: That is great. And after after this, you can go and find all the links to how to connect with Jakob, his organization, his book. It will all be there and all the social media links and there on LinkedIn as well. Thank you so much for your time. And we look forward to... The next great chapter here for, for you and, and your
0: company. Thank you so much, Tony. Appreciate you having me on and hope your viewers got something out of it. Thanks.
1: Thank you.